What comes to mind when you hear the word giving? Even as these things run through your mind, do you find it stressful considering how tight your budget is? Well, you've tuned into the Power Walk Ministries broadcast, and our current message series is titled Giving, God's Prophet and Our Blessing. Author and speaker, Dr. Paul Cannings, provides lessons through the life of Paul to encourage us to mature in this area of giving. Dr. Cannings is founder and president of Power Walk Ministries and senior pastor of Living Word Fellowship Church in Houston. Here he is now with part two of the message titled, The Heart of Giving. When my youngest son was a child, he amazed me in that he would sit in a room by himself, playing with his toys, having the greatest time ever. He had this quiet spirit about him where sometimes I would just peek around the door and I would check on him and he would just play as ever, just moving the cars around, his little cars, he would just drive around. He would create all kind of things in the room and just have this wonderful time playing by himself. And sometimes his brother's outside playing and for whatever reason, he just comes in, goes in the room, sits there and have a wonderful time. He never seemed like it bothered him to be alone, never seemed like it bothered him to play with his toys for as long as he chose. So I decided to look at it and I realized that it didn't take a lot of toys for him. Maybe this is mean, I don't know, but one time I directed him to a room where there was no toys. I said, wait for me right here and just hang around for a minute. And there were some things on the floor and he started playing with coat hangers. He started trying to make things with a coat hanger and he would then get shoes and different things and he was just playing in the room saying, wow. Then I decided, well, okay, you know, I really wanted to check this out. So what is he going to do when he's at someone else's house? When there's all the older kids get to playing, would he do the same thing? We went to someone else's house, and there he was in the house, and we are all there. The kids are starting to talk to each other. The older kids go off, but he stays with his parents and just sits next to them. Then I started thinking, that's what led to him feeling such a sense of comfort that he didn't need any more than he had there in order for him to just be at peace. You see, his mom and dad are at home and his house. He has things that they provided for him. He knows food is coming. He knows that if he could go to the kitchen and his mom would provide him whatever. Awesome mother. Not just saying that because she's my wife. Awesome mother. I know what an awesome mother looks like because I have an awesome mother. And they knew their mom that she sometimes will cook and bake things for them. All these different things that led him to demonstrate an attribute that we all need. Contentment. See, Paul is not going to tell us about this attribute of contentment until in Philippians when he has been in ministry a while. He has been serving God a while. He has developed a relationship with God that is now deep. He's experienced the power of God in jail. He, he's experienced the power of God to give him strength to recover from being whipped five times with 39 lashes, which is brutal. He's experienced the power of God in that here he is on the house arrest. The Philippian believers found him and brought gift to him to sustain him while he's under house arrest. Paul is seeing the goodness and the grace of God sustaining and keeping him in ministry when people speak against him and hate him in chapter 1 of Philippians. Oh, folks, Paul had come to a point in his life when he says, I've learned to be content. 
in chapter 3, I counted all things lost that I once thought was gain so that I can gain the power of the resurrection. I can live in that power because I've seen that power when I was stoned and God kept me alive and I had the strength to go back to the same city and to minister. I've seen the power of God when I was shipwrecked. I've seen the power of God when I was beaten. And when I've seen the power of God when I was in jail, I've seen the power of God. I want to live based on that power because all that is important in life is with that. Because when he rose from the dead, that power brought life eternal to anyone that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't live separated from God. They live with God forever. And what a place to be is heaven. So Paul is saying, not when I speak of chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 11, from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. What a statement. In situations that happened in the past and any situation that would take place in the future, Paul has come to the point where he says, I have come to recognize what the rich young ruler lack because I had much. I had plenty. I was prosperous. I lived on the other side of the tracks. So I know what empty looks like when you had plenty. Oh, folks, he says, I have learned to be content. It's a process of learning it. And that process, I want us to walk through that process. And we can actually just do it right here in the book of Philippians. So that when we come to the word contentment, it really doesn't need a whole lot more definition once we have learned the process that take us there. In chapter 1, Paul is saying to us, I am confident of this very thing. In verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Now, some people believe that this has to do with the fact of their giving and their passionate desire to sustain Paul's ministry. No matter what people were saying against it, these people saw the impact of Paul's ministry in their lives. They wanted to sustain it so our lives will be blessed. And Paul is saying, some people believe, he's just saying, God is going to perfect what he started in you. He's going to let that become stronger and more productive. And some people believe that Paul is saying that whatever work God starts in you, he will complete it. Because Paul is seeing anytime Paul set out to do something, God found a way out of nowhere to sustain him. Here he is doing it again. He is in under house arrest. People are speaking against him. Folk have deserted him. People are talking all kind of crazy things against him. And Paul is still being sustained by a group of people that love him and love the impact that God has through him on their lives. So if you take the second view of Paul seeing the goodness of God, then why would he worry about how he shall eat and what he shall drink? Why does seek he first the kingdom of God and he'll provide for our needs according to his riches and glory? So if we take the second view, that's one of the things Paul learned. And here's the second thing of the second point. He says, this I pray, that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and discernment. How does love abound in real knowledge? Well, John tells us that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6, that when a person abides in God, the love of God becomes complete in them. And then they experience God more intimately and more productively. Because of that, they grow in God. So they grow in the knowledge of God. Colossians chapter 1 says, I can pray that you grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in verse 9. But as you walk in it, the knowledge becomes more pertinent for you to learn, and you end up with a greater hunger for, for the knowledge of God. That's why some people get tired. Oh, okay, the scriptures are preaching or whatever, because they're not necessarily practicing it. That's why in James would say that what's the point of listening to the Bible if you don't plan to do it? 
there's no profit in that. A person who's actually walking it gains profit because they end up hungry for more knowledge. When they end up hungry for more knowledge, they end up applying themselves to more word. When they apply themselves to more word, Paul says they grow in developing a powerful strength of God. That powerful is manifested through them in verse 11 and 12. So what is Paul talking about in chapter 3? The resurrection power. So he's saying the knowledge of all discernment, making wise decisions so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ, because righteousness is imputed to us at the point of salvation. But when we work it out in fear and trembling, same right in chapter 2, then we experience the fruit of living right, of living according to the standards of God. And the fruit of it is joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, joy. You back to chapter 4 where he says rejoice, which is a sense of contentment because I now rest in Christ. I now know that he has my back. The same writer would say nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. The principalities of power is death or life. Nothing. So therefore, there's nothing for a person to be concerned about other than applying God, walking with God, trusting God, leaning on God, and experiencing the power of God. That's why in chapter 2, this is exactly what he would say in chapter 1, verse 21 through 26. In chapter 3, he says, you know what? I don't need nothing. I counted it all lost because the more of Christ I experience is the less of fighting to gain things. Folks, this is exactly what Christ taught in Luke chapter 12, verse 22, all the way down to verse 36. He sought to teach us that right smack dab in the context of a rich man who thought that he had everything. Oh, folks, when he comes to the end of Luke chapter 12, what does he say? He says in verse 33, Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The issue of giving really starts at the wrong point. The issue of giving should start at the heart of the person. And when that heart of the person has a passionate love for God, they come to realize that the giver of all gifts is God. All good and perfect gifts come from above, James would say. Because they start to realize he is their provider. That's why Peter would say, I'm leaving everything to follow you. Because if you can heal my mother-in-law, you got my health. If you can bless my fishing business, then what am I worrying about how you're going to provide for me? So what is it that I'm going to lack following you? I just need to follow you, just to trust you, just to lean on you. When a person comes to grips with the giving ability of God, the constant grace supply of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, because of the grace that abounded to us, we all hurt ourselves to give to God. That's exactly what he says. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches in Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, their deep poverty over flowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Nobody had to come to them and say, hey, it's time to give. Because they have experienced the grace of God that was given to them. Grace meaning the bountiful gifts of God. His everlasting gifts of where it's spontaneous, it's generous. Uh, you say, well, I, I'm not getting a whole lot of money from God, but he sustains you in, in health and strength. He keeps finding a way out of nowhere to take care of you. In the midst of a bad economy, he sustains you. He's kept your job or he's found a way because of the government and what the government has done to sustain your needs. He's found ways to help you to make much with little. God has proven his goodness because he's a giving 
God, if God ever stopped giving, none of us would be here. So the more we come to grips with Christ, the less we have to worry about how we will make it. And it's the more we want to bless him, because the more we realize he blesses us. But folks, the issue of giving is having to come to full understanding of the nature of the giver. We are indeed empty without God, and it's this realization that doesn't come easily. Paul learned this through much suffering and learned to be content through it all. How about you? Do you struggle with contentment? Do you struggle with the stewardship issue of giving? Then we believe this series of messages will be a blessing to you. So why not contact us and secure your copy? I truly pray that this message today has touched your heart and your soul. Oh, folks, I'm not saying that because we need your support. Yes, we need it, but sincerely mean that. Uh, This is the heart of Power Walk. It is to truly impact the way you walk so that it is a powerful and effective manner you could experience God each day. So that is true. Sincerely mean that. Uh, But we need your partnership in making this ministry work. It costs. It costs to do ministry. And uh, God, you know, will supply, we believe, supporters if we just ask. You know, that's what he told us to do. And uh, those who bless us, we bless. And so you can experience that by getting a book or be getting a, a set of CDs that will come from our ministry. So become a partner by going to our website and becoming a consistent supporter. God bless you. We can be reached at 281 260 7402. That's 281-260-7402. You'll also find us online at powerwalkministries.org. If you'd prefer to write us, our mailing address is P.O. Box 920-517, Houston, Texas 77092. Now remember to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and know that all things will be added to you.